Hey, what's good, people? This portion of the podcast, the Option Podcast, episode 61, is brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me. The NYV. Watching me. Watching you. This is episode 61. Tessa Greenberg's in the, in the house, and the episode starts right now. Step into a world, but there's no one there. <laughs> yes, Ooh. yes, y'all. You don't Hi. stop. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> this is episode 61. This is the Option Podcast. I am Jason DeBeas, and my guest this week is actor, um, editor, film editor, and God knows what else. Goddess. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, new, the new princess of Brooklyn. <laughs> Actually, up for re-election. Tessa Greenberg, <laughs> what's up? Hey, Jason. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Oh, my God. I'm good. How is, how's Brooklyn? <laughs> how do it's they feel chilling. about how do they feel about the wedding being canceled? <laughs> the wedding? What the, wedding? Big old Jewish wedding. They were supposed to have like ten thousand oh, people. Gosh, I don't know. There's two there's Did you hear about that on the it, news? No, I mean I know that there's a lot of holidays that were happening in the Orthodox Jewish community and the Hasidic community, which caused a large spike in COVID. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of political unrest around that happening. But I don't think I've heard about a wedding. Yeah, there was. Um, it actually made national news all the way here to Hermosa Beach. Uh, there was a very popular rabbi. Um, I think his relative was getting married, and it was supposed to have ten thousand people. And because Brooklyn is one of the boroughs, never mind cities, that are, that it happened to be doing really well dealing with COVID, right. like where everybody else is going is stable, and and of course some of these crazy ass states are going up now because yeah because they I guess. They wanted to do it their way, which we can talk about later. Um, Brooklyn is one of those one of those places that are going down. Me too, Hermosa Beach. Like we, we have a lot of um, you know people that are about freedom and freedom out here, and I don't like to associate that with Republicans. Sure, sure, sure. I just think that's disingenuous and unfair because they're not all like yeah. that. But but there are listen. There's a lot of Republican space rangers out here. It's not it's not uncommon to see someone on their bike like on their bicycle with a big Trump flag and, and sure. you know, riding, riding up and I down the like, strand. I think like, you know, New York was so hard hit in the spring that like overall New Yorkers are pretty good about like following the rules and, mm-hmm. you know, wearing a mask, keeping their distance and stuff for the most part. But mm-hmm. yeah, obviously it's a city of 8 million plus. So not everybody is going to be like that. But, you know, we had uh, dozens of thousands of people die. So yeah definitely makes people here a little bit more cautious which is good definitely i got a question for you i I mean god there's so much we can we can catch up on and talk about and maybe we'll throw a little marymount in there i mean if if they're if they're deserving or not you know alma mater i mean like me and me and will were talking about uh patricia simon or whatever how she made the news in a bad way did you (laughs) do you remember that i didn't see that either i guess i haven't really followed marymount news since graduating in 2000, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 2007. Okay, I don't um, mind aging myself. Let me, all right, so here's the thing. It's no, you know, normal year. Everybody's going about their business. Late February, March, you know, the warning signs come. We got something coming and, and, and it's big and it's called COVID or Corona. Um, months go by. People get shut down. 
right? Weeks go by. These this group doesn't behave like adults. The government, you know, treats them like children. Shut down, lockdown, lockdown, and and now everything's starting to open up. But there's this long period of time that we had to do nothing. Now, Tessa, don't get me wrong. I'm good at doing nothing. All right, you're good at doing nothing. I'm good at. I'm totally frigid. Okay. It depends sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like to quote Sanford Meisner, there's no such thing as nothing. Like, nah, for me, I could some, nothing, something. And, right. and, I, and I have these spurts where I got to keep moving. Like my wife, she, she, she got to keep moving. If she goes backwards, she'll die. Um, yeah. You know, she's a shark like that. But I guess my question is, and bec- only because of your, your, your current zip code, how much has COVID made, or has COVID made people hypersensitive to the to the two biggest issues that have been happening in the last six months, uh, socially speaking. One is is just everybody's ability to be responsible. And of course, we, there's the issue of race and police brutality, which I, which I know you're huge on. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even if no one knew all the, look no further than your wall um, on your social, social network. Do you think it was, it was, um, actually I'll just start easy. Um, we got our guy Floyd, right? in Minnesota gets choked out, right? Do you think that that was an inciting incident that just put people over the top that where it boiled Mm -hmm. over? Or do you also think that COVID has made people hypersensitive to everything because of people having more time in their hands? Yeah, I think it's both. And I think to sort of ground it back to what you were saying based on my zip code, because I live in New York and I'm in Brooklyn, um, and New York has been like a center city for a lot of pro- like protest and civil unrest and the fight for racial justice, essentially. Um, I see it as both. I think that, you know, in New York, the Black Lives Matter movement was really big when Eric Garner, who's a New Yorker, was killed by the police. Yep. And so when when we saw George Floyd murdered by the police <clears throat> back in April, it was triggering to say like, well, this is still happening. The police are still killing us without any accountability. And now that the world has like come to a grinding halt because of COVID, even more people can pay attention to it. So, you know, even though there has been racial injustice for 400 years in our country, and we're just now capturing it on camera in the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, even on TV and stuff before cell phones, like, this is the first time in our history where there's so many eyes on it because of COVID, because less people are working, more people are at home and have, you know, easier access to being able to pay attention to things like that. And I also think that there was greater civil unrest because our country's government, both at a federal and state level, had already let the people down in this other way, in this way of healthcare, and in this way of leadership and resources. Like by the time that um, the George Floyd news came out in late May, we had already had a couple months of being let down by leadership and by law enforcement. So this was like kind of being kicked, you know, what's the saying when you kick a dead horse or something like that? Yeah. Like, or you throw Be- salt in the wound. That's what it's yeah. like. Beat a dead horse, right? Yeah. I like salt in the wound. <laughs> salt in the wound, yeah. It's like throwing salt in the wound. So you have a country who's not taking care of you, whose leadership in a you know, in a position of law is not a you know 
giving you the healthcare you need, giving you the resources and access to mutual aid and people are losing their jobs and they can't pay their rent, but they're still being evicted. So it's like everywhere we're looking, our governmental leadership is failing us. And then you see them killing us like George Floyd. And like, that was it. I think that was like the the powder keg was lit. Yeah, I remember there was a female uh, player in the WNBA that said the patience left her body when um the breath left the body of george floyd um now i a lot of people it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about and i've talked about this in multiple episodes and um i've done my due diligence to to talk to people whose um uh activism and symbolism kind of are kind of like kissing cousins uh you in particular you know i had rachel perez and of course if you know if i'm gonna talk about a black issue because this is a black issue uh do my diligence and have make sure i have a lot of black guests on in fact 12 of my uh uh, eight of my last 12 guests are african-american so that's great so and i identify with being african-american my mom's black my father's I own. am just a Jewish white yeah. lady. Yeah. <laughs> That's my background. Yeah. I mean my mom's black, my father my father's white. Um three sisters are black, grandma's black. So and you know yes. Flatbush Avenue is predominantly African American or if yes, not, if yes. not West so, Indian. If not West so, Indian. Yeah. So so for a long time in my life I identified with being African American. In fact, I didn't even see a white guy till I was like 7. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah. um I think you're right in the sense that um we're hypersensitive because now we're glued we're glued to social network we're glued mm-hmm. to to whatever's supposed to happen next right you're losing yeah. your job you could get kicked out landlords i mean some of these landlords have a mortgage they meet too so if you're not going to defer their mortgage they, they i mean they have that problem too and then there's some landlords who defer their mortgage but they're still trying to they're still trying to get rich so i had a huge problem with it for a long time ago, just from my personal experience. People that listen to the, the podcast, I'm not going to go through all of them again. Um, yeah. from my mother, both uncles, uh, one who's dead, shot, mm-hmm. um, and my grandma, who's who was like this social, um, this um, political activist in Queens in Astoria, yeah. building tomato gardens in in the, in the ghetto. <laughs> so, nice. so there's something I wanted to educate some people on about the police about mm-hmm. chokeholds all right before we go any further sure um and some people may see it in documentaries but because um i went to ranger school and you know i know I, and i'm a big avid fan of mixed martial arts chokeholds became banned because police did not know how to execute it without asphyxiation like right. think of eric garner's death death by asphyxiation right mm-hmm. um floyd death by asphyxiation and that was a yep. knee right that wasn't yes. even like a, yeah. like an arm choke so for the people out there i'm gonna limit chokeholds to two types of chokeholds just to so i don't go off the deep end one there's a chokehold that cuts off the 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 blood flow at the where the carotid artery is so elbow down like this mm-hmm. come up carotid arteries here here cuts off the blood flow to the brain five six seconds you take an uncomfortable nap but you're mm-hmm. but you're actually okay and the okay. second kind of chokehold is a forearm across the throat that um cuts off your breathing where you can exhale but you can't inhale hmm. i can't breathe i right. can't breathe right i can't breathe Ugh. i can't breathe oh god yeah so that's why so for all the idiots out there it's like if he said he couldn't breathe how could he how could he say i can't breathe if he couldn't breathe 
Asshole. Asshole. That's how. So that's, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I have friends, as you know, I have friends um, from all kinds of backgrounds who, um, I'm not, we don't insult each other and now we can have a conversation. So what happened was they banned chokeholds because the cops didn't know how to do it. So then they started using nightsticks and now you have concussions. Now you have broken bones and now then you have tasers. So all of these forms of policing has gotten worse and, and worse and worse. So, yeah, well, Please. there's a really mm-hmm. widely known complaint on behalf of a lot of police departments that they, they themselves say they don't have a lot of the training to go out and do what they're asked to do. And this is not, not just something that's being observed by the public, but something that internally they're telling their supervisors like, hey, you're going and asking us to deal with someone on the street who's maybe having a mental health crisis, but we are not mental health professionals, you know? That's really, that's a really severe example. And then you have something like you're talking about where like you have to be trained in martial arts and like no one had, like you have to really understand what you're doing on like a biological, (laughs) physical level. And you have a cop who's never had that training ever and doesn't actually understand anatomy in that way. So this is another example of like a cop carrying out an order that they haven't been properly trained to do. And that's not just something that we're seeing. That's something that a lot of intern, like there's a lot of internal messaging from officers saying that like, can you stop asking us to do 18,000 things? Cause we're only trained to do a few things. Yeah. And I guess I, I'm, I'm, we're going to uh, dive back and forth because I just already drove, I already drove us both off the cliff. So let's just keep going. Um, and we're just starting. Um, <laughs> and this is like Rachel and Rachel Perez and I had a disagreement about defunding the police. And I thought defunding the police was, was a mistake because I think, the training is exactly what they need. I think, uh, or not, and I wouldn't say fund the police either. I would say manage the allocation of resources. Manage the mm-hmm. allocation of resources. And in VA, there's a VA in New York in the Bronx. It's it's wonderful. It's awesome. There's a VA in LA. It's a hot mess. It's right. re- it's ridiculous. You run as fast as you can. Big cities, same same amount of money put into it. So, yeah. so my conclusion. Um, based on my information, misallocation of resources. I think they should redirect resources. And you know, the police have funded because they get tons of donations uh, uh, from from here and benefits and all that stuff. They're overfunded. Two two things and stop me at any point. Um, One, the the retraining and extensive training of officers. If, if, If it's three months or if it's six months, let it be a year. Let's get some real cops out there Two two actually let's make the salaries more competitive so um it's more attractive to people who are more competent i think that there's there's two two concerns i have there please let's start with the train the training and the retraining that's been happening for decades retraining and more training has been going on for years where we see issues like this happen where a cop doesn't have any accountability for something they do. So they'll fire them and then they'll rehire them and they'll put them on something like desk duty where they're not out in the streets. And then they make them go to a certain amount of training so they can go back out onto the streets. But it's really just kind of like a slap on the wrist. What they're not getting is holistic training on like, this is how you deal with someone who is suffocating. This is how you deal with someone who's having a mental health crisis. This is a domestic dispute. Like there, we have been retraining for many, many, many years. Yeah. 
and we now like body cameras. So like we keep reforming, we keep retraining, nothing changes. Yeah. So like that's my first concern. And then in terms of salary, a lot of officers make in New York City make a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's a lot of fucking money that yeah. like I've never seen in my lifetime. Oh, I'm, I'm actually talking about recruiting. Like if yeah. their, their recruitment salary is thirty six thousand dollars, which is right. equivalent so you, to you can, uh, which is, yeah. uh, which is equivalent to a party clown. <laughs> well, you don't need a degree to be a cop. Um, you don't need a college. I, you don't need a college degree. They took away that criteria. You had to have. I think it depends you had to have a two-year degree or or two years military experience, uh, to, for NYPD, yeah, and military, which, they which, love, which they took. They away. love military because if you've been in the military, you know how to take orders, and they yeah. like a militarized, you know. Well, we're better. We're also better de-escalators than the police are. So, I believe that. You know, I'm I'm staunchly anti-war. I am. I would probably agree with Rachel that I'm more an abolitionist, right? As in, because I just don't think that the cops are. They show up after crime happens. They don't prevent it. Very, very. I I saw that on your wall too, and I um. Yeah. I honestly, it's so weird because I think that's where the left and the right can agree. Like, I'm a big. All right, as you know, I'm very left when it comes to social issues. I I, I do think, yeah. you know, I don't care who you, who you marry. I don't care who you fall in love with. I don't care who you change your mind and fall in love with, right? You can be straight and you can be bi and you can be gay. And then and then on Sunday morning, you can be straight again. Cool. <laughs> All right. Freedom and freedom. Um, I'm a big Second Amendment uh, person. When I, and when I say big, I believe in self-protection. When I, and when I say that, I want to be crystal clear about not having a cannon by the door, you know, to, to take yeah. away the wall and whoever's and, and the person who just might be knocking on a door selling cookies. There goes my wall and there goes their two kids and there goes that guy. I'm yeah. t- I, I and for the same reason uh, uh, you just cited as um, good policing, what they consider is not modern prevention. Yeah. Good policing is waiting for the crime to happen. Right. Tessa, if you and I are married and someone is stalking you, maybe and you, maybe you got a little piece of paper that says don't come near me. Um, the cops have to wait for something to happen to you exactly. <laughs> for you exactly. to do something about it. So right. it's, it's it's so weird that that indirectly, like when you think of Democrats and Republicans, there's more uh, as far as like meeting at the end, there's we have more in common than <laughs> we have more reg- yeah. uh, more in common than what divides us. But I when I just saw, I saw that in your wall, I was like, boom, thank you. And the other thing I saw in, um, you, um, that I know you're big on is and this is my common denominator in life, Tessa, mental health. Yeah. Everything is connected yeah. to mental health. I think that like the way you prevent crime and like obviously we're talking in like really big terms here and like not not everyone can prescribe to the same kind of like methods of help. But to I think it's proven that it's like you have your communities are stronger and more safe if people have access to education, mental health, food, housing, health, and other health services, you know, and social services. Uh, Affluent areas that are typically white have those things. Like I grew up in a town in New Jersey that was very affluent. It was redlined. There was no busing or anything like that. And, you know, I was middle, I was raised middle class, but like I had access to all those things and I was able to go to college when I was 18 years old, like a, a lot of privilege, you know, we weren't rich or anything, but 
you're talking about this is white privilege. It just doesn't always come in the package of like an evil shitty person, but I benefited from those things. Yeah. Um, I benefited from those social services. I was like a weird six year old that used to have separation anxiety and I saw a child psychologist, you know, like that does not happen for a lot of low income families and they don't have the money and the resources to do that. And those low income families more often than not in our country are uh, in black and brown communities. So what's the answer? It's not more cops on the street. It's taking the money from the police departments for things like riot gear and putting it into money for food for those kids, for mental health services for those kids, better education for those kids, so that they're not desperate and they're not having to like steal food or rob someone for money so that they can, you know, get a winter coat for their kid or something like obviously I'm making up like, no, you know, you're you're speaking hypothetically, I know. Which, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which, by but, the way, but, is a reality. These, these things, yeah. Tessa, these things, I mean, I'll bet you, in, in New York, I'll bet you almost verbatim what you described, that yeah. that's, that's, that's happened to someone. And yeah. I think one of my biggest gripes are, I don't think something should have to happen for people to talk about mental health. Yeah. I think mental health is an issue we can talk about now. In fact, all the way to the end of the podcast, if we want. Yeah. Because people everyone listen and listen up like veterans um homelessness or just basic homelessness um a lot is connected to mental health there yeah. are people I, I look i know i've heard stories of people that were wall street billionaires and they just became wacko and then they're living out on the street so it's not always someone that that never had a shot that's down on their luck and you know right. there are people you know mom kicks them out of the house when they're 18 they ain't got no job or this or that you know so um suicide is a mental health issue right freud once said one's preservation of of life is the very essence of sanity so you'd have to be a little bit crazy if you want to kill yourself you know right and some people's like no, it's logical. I got nothing go for me. I'm just going to off myself, but that's stupid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, gun control, gun violence is a mental health issue. And I'm talking yeah. about it now because I'm trying to wait between school shootings where people are like, oh, look at Jason. He's talking about mental health and I'm talking about I'm talking about regulating guns. So good. We ain't got no shooting right now. So, I'm, uh, so in between school shootings, uh, let's let's have this. Let's not avoid this. Let's talk. Let's talk about mental right, health. Right, and it right, is, right. Isn't it amazing? that all of these things that I just talked about are connected to, yeah. to just whatever. We just had a conversation before I got on the podcast, right? Yeah. In yeah, fact, yeah. you and know what? I think I'm gonna just break my silence right about this. Yes, um, if, right. Because it, it's, so mm -hmm. yeah. it's so stigmatized. It's so like anyone who's struggling with their emotional health, with feelings they're not sure they should be having, it's so stigmatized to talk about it that people keep it inside, they, it bottles up and then it blows up one day, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's, I, I think that unfortunately, like just to bring it back to things like police brutality and stuff, like imagine if those people, imagine if there was a force that had mental health training so that when you were going and you were dealing with someone who's like having a psychotic break or like is just having a bad fucking day, like, you had mental health professionals to deal with them and de-escalate it mm -hmm. instead of someone with a gun and a taser who's just going to like severely injure or kill that person because they don't know how to deal with it. And maybe then they themselves are afraid, you know? Um, so that's obviously one direction of the conversation. 
bring yeah. it back to the to ground it and how important mental health is in general. My God, I wish that it was like starting in kindergarten, you had a counselor that you could just speak to in the same way that you see a pediatrician, like, or that there's counselors in schools and stuff, you know, like, it's so wild to me that like, if you bump, if you, you know, injure yourself, you go to the doctor, you're like, I don't feel so good. I hit my elbow. I think it might be cracked when you injure yourself here or up here in your head, we should be able to do the same without any uh, financial barrier and any social barrier of being judged for it. Yeah. So it's just wild to me that, you know, well, it's not wild. I understand a lot of reasons why it's stigmatized, but it's sad. It sucks. Yeah. Listen, I have a, a friend who I'm not going to name for his privacy. He's 80 years old. He's a cyclist. Met him in Hermosa Beach. You know, for me, I start my day at Starbucks because if I start my day in my office, I'm not going to do shit. All right. That's just not going to happen. So they invented Starbucks for people like me where I could have a lot of people <laughs> around me and none of you fucking talk to me. Don't, talk, coffee, don't, yeah. don't talk to me. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I had coffee with Tessa like, <laughs> half an hour ago. Um, <laughs> that's a heat, um, heat Al Pacino. But um, this gentleman was didn't show up one morning and all the other cyclists tell me what happened to him now he's 80 years old he got knocked off his bike and and when he fell off the bike the guy just started beating the crap out of him who started beating him up some it was random it wasn't you know he wasn't in anyone's way it wasn't like a you know someone paid someone to do it it wasn't like someone that had a grudge against them it was almost mancurian type maybe the guy heard you know like mancurian you like you hear a code bobby bam bam so this guy got caught Mm. this guy got arrested this guy's gonna get out of jail right this guy's gonna do it again in fact, I, t- I ran it. The only reason I'm, I'm bringing it up is I ran into the guy this morning and he's like, you know, I'm glad they caught him, but I hope they don't lock him up for too long. You know, yeah. some, obviously something's wrong with him and his level. Yeah. This, guy, this guy's level of, of empathy and sympathy for that matter. And just mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know, uh, he didn't I, I don't think the guy even had a reason why. But I think the point I was trying to make was um, co-signing with you that sometimes incarceration isn't always the answer. I know incarceration isn't the answer for crimes against yourself, okay? That's that's a whole other subject we could just skip. Um, yeah, and like but, there but, are some people who can't be rehabilitated. You know, there are some people that are unfortunately, there's so much violence within them for whether it's external reasons, whether it's a mental health illness, like a mental illness from within them that like has not been treatable. Like there are some severe cases where like, I do believe there needs to be a safe place for those people to exist. I'm not, but uh, yeah, jail and prison is not a mental health, you know, rehabilitation center, which is what a lot of these people actually need. And, and it's not a job, you know, relief center. It's like, they're not really learning new skills. And like the whole idea that it's like supposed to be like social rehabilitation is a lie it's most of the time it's prison labor, like all these for-profit prisons so that yeah. we can have our Victoria's Secret underwear for cheap. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's why they exist. Pennsylvania judge, cops... man. Pennsylvania yeah. judge got jail for that shit, dude. Yeah. Um, so it's you not know that to story, say that right? like, there are, there are people out there who are a danger to themselves and a danger to others. And it's, it's not to say that there shouldn't be a place for them to go so that they keep themselves safe and that they keep other people from being harmed. But I think your friend is right that like whatever whoever this man was that beat him up 
Like, there's no excuse for that, but uh, I don't think sending him to prison for a couple months is going to make it any better or any different. All right. I'm actually looking that up right now. Pennsylvania mm. judge sentenced prison scandal. I mean, imagine just if you yourself, for some reason, like, got into a, a weird place in your life where you were to, like, put out aggression on someone else. The idea is, like, we're going to lock you up so you're going to learn your lesson. Mm -hmm. But where in history has that ever worked? Like, <laughs> like, oh, I guess I, I guess I learned my lesson because I'm going to be locked away. Like when kids get detention, do they never get detention ever again? No, they keep going back to detention because they're not actually, you know, what they need maybe is help in school or like there's stuff going on at home that's making them act out. It's like you said, it's mental health, maybe like. Yeah, check yeah. this out. So right here, this happened in 2011 but it's been happening for quite some time. A Pennsylvania judge was sentenced to 28 years in prison in connection to a bribery scandal that roiled the state's juvenile justice system. This judge basically was selling convictions to a private prison. Right. Um, this happens a lot. Yeah, um, and you know what I'm saying? Like uh, maxing out on the sentences um, for... Maybe the kid committed a violent crime. Maybe it was a nonviolent crime. Maybe it was a crime against himself. And you're right. When money comes into play and how much, I mean, God, I mean, we can have a discussion on the how, how much is enough. Hmm? The, did you see 13th, which is the documentary by Ava DuVernay about the 13th Amendment? No. That was a game changer for me. It's on, I think it's still on Netflix. It came out a few years ago. What's it called? I highly recommend everybody watch it. What's it called? Uh, 13th. And it's basically tells the story of how when slavery was abolished, it didn't actually go away. It just sort of switched over to the carceral system that we see now. Right. And what used to be slave patrol just became the police, like the runaway slave patrol be turned into police force. And now instead of having slaves do free labor, um, basically we, our police force arrests people so that they could Put them into prisons and then have prison labor i'm just going to keep using victoria's secret underwear as the example i think they've gotten i think victoria's secret's gotten a little bit better over the years but you know if you can have people making underwear at two cents an hour then that helps capitalism and then it helps people like you and me who want to buy cheap cute underwear i actually hate victoria's secret underwear but again i'm just using that as an example so I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just like it on a mannequin. <laughs> I'm yeah. sitting there like, like an old perv staring at a mannequin. Like, okay. It's actually terribly made, so I don't yeah. buy it. But like, <laughs> well, you wonder why, right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, that's just an well, example. It's like it, the, the, that prison pipeline, it's like that in the prison industrial complex is real mm -hmm. and it, favors capitalism and it favors our ability to get things cheaply and quickly mm -hmm. and it's using slave labor and that just happens to be under the guise of people in prison and incarcerated which is completely like inhumane and immoral it doesn't matter a lot of those people are not supposed to be there to begin with and even those who like maybe technically broke the law like the law is not it's not like a statute for morality, you know, because like segregation was legal. The Holocaust was legal. Like there are so many things in our world that were technically legal that were like abhorrent. 
So yeah, well, to say some, that yeah. somebody's a bad person just because they're in prison is like a totally unfair assessment, you know? Well, to quote uh, the movie, The Bonfire of the Vanities, he says, I'll tell you what justice is. Justice is the law. And he said, the law is man's feeble attempt to establish principles to shape a society, a society of decency, right. to make sure we are decent people. This is Morgan Freeman's little, little um, you know, diatribe, a little soliloquy at the end when they called him a racist. So, um, right. um, and I believe, of course, one can always say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but I think people have to realize when, when we have these realizations, we have to change with it. You know, right? Like, yeah. I mean, there were born again Christians back in the 1800s that owned slaves, right? Mm -hmm. In their mind, they didn't. I mean, that was okay, right? I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, so, our, so our okay founding fathers all owned slaves. Yeah. You well, know? the rationalization was if they weren't considered the person, they were biblically righteous. So, or if they were considered three fifths of a person, um, you know, yeah, it's uh, unfathomable. So, so um, I'll give you another example. And this is this hit home. Um, and they had a documentary about this produced by Jay-Z. Uh, Khalif Browder. Ring a, ring a bell? Keep going. Keep talking. Khalif Browder is a high school kid mm -hmm. that um, got stopped by the police. He's walking home. And the police accused him of stealing a backpack. Mm -hmm. He didn't steal the backpack. And this mm -hmm. is how this, uh, this is testament to what we're talking about. So bear with me, yeah. but don't get undressed. <laughs> I mean, might be Victoria's Secret under there. Um, <laughs> for all to see. Um, More like Target, you know, nothing yeah. fancy. <laughs> oh my, yo, this is a Target chick, man. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way, baby. Um, so he gets arrested, right? And he gets arraigned. His bail is set for $3,500. Doesn't seem like a lot for the middle class person. Mom can't afford bail. Guess what? He stays in jail. Right. So, for the people listening and wondering, like, oh, you know, he wouldn't if he, you know, he, um, if he was a good kid, he wouldn't have a criminal record. Uh, this no, is how no, easy. No. This is how easy it is for a kid to have a criminal record, right? Yeah. Basically, an assistant DA. No, forget about the, the assistant DA. This is going to piss you off. The public defender, the person yeah. assigned to defend him, says, "Listen, plead out." Plead out to misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. It's on your record, but you don't have to stay in jail and wait for trial. Right, right. You know, and and they're like, look, one way or another, the system's gonna get you. Yes, <laughs> All right, yes, so so you horrible. can choose this way now, or they're gonna we can that guy can prosecute a ham sandwich. So and a, so and the a guy who's supposed to be advocating for you gotten bailed out. Yeah, and so and but the guy who's supposed to be advocating for you is basically yeah. walking your walking your hand to 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 public public records to make yeah. sure that you have a record. So. Um, the reason why I brought up this kid is because a lot of kids are like, I want to get the hell out of here. You know, fine. I did yeah. it. You know, as long as I don't do anything again, you know, right. because the right. cops aren't going to stop me for no reason. So this won't come up again. Right. Then they're not, they're not going to stop me for nothing. So the, the difference. Yeah. And if I've, and if I'm getting warmer, just tell me, you know, but the difference between this kid and the other kids is like, I didn't do it. And I'm not going to say I didn't. So they're like, yeah. OK, the trial is scheduled in a month and a half. Mm -hmm. He is 16 years old, 15 going on 16. He is at Rikers Island awaiting trial, an adult gladiator academy, okay? Um, this, this isn't juvie hall. This wasn't Brooklyn House of it's Detention. Horrible. Um, he gets uh, um, the district attorney's office files for a continuance. They get it. So now he's in jail longer. 
they filed for another continuance. This kid was in jail for three and a half years, uh, for almost oh three God. years. Oh my God. For stealing a backpack that he, that he didn't, didn't steal. That obviously, I mean, look, I gotta believe him. Ain't nobody, right. ain't nobody gonna stay in jail <laughs> to, you know, to go all those years and be like, hey, Tessa, by the way, I did steal that backpack. No, 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 no. The, he did not steal. I believe and you believe. And everybody who's listening to this, now I don't care what, what side of, of justice or whatever, you, you know that yeah. kid didn't steal that backpack. Finally, a judge, it goes on a, on, a, um, on a judge's docket and he's asking the DA, what is this? And the DA's like, I don't know. He's like, you don't know. This kid's been in jail waiting for trial. And the judge throws it out you know um just throws it out of court doesn't sentence him this time already served because he didn't have a bench trial he didn't have right. a jury trial so i mean uh, uh which is what would have happened the judge would have sentenced him the time already served um seek probation um your record's sealed unless the cops stop you and for, for a, so the right reason often. it happens no it happens so often the other way tessa it happens the this kid uh brown browder yeah it doesn't happen this doesn't happen his way the other kids well, the other kids yeah, plead out plead guilty. Yeah. the other kids plead out so they can get out yes yes this I, and, I then, guess... and, then, and then when he gets out he, he he hangs himself he commits suicide a month oh uh, uh yeah months later after he gets out he hangs himself mm, so, so upsetting. It, and no but we had this conversation about mental health and how it shaped yeah. and then before we got on the podcast we talked about I was trying to suggest to you some people's mental health, mental health is affected by their um, what happens, what interrupts their psychological growth right. from, a, from a toddler to a child to a teen to an adult teen to a, 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 an idiot in their 20s to a full all the way to a full adult, yeah. you know, to yeah. a full adult, you know, um, and it's sad because if this kid ever got arrested again, oh, he has a record. Of right. course, you know, like if he gets shot in the back and this is our most unfavorite thing, they they the public a side of the public spends a lot of time asking, well, what was his past record? Right, right, right. You know, I mean, that's what they it did. It, yeah, I that's mean, what they that's, did with that Garner. That's what they did Eric with Garner and, and also George Floyd. Like yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, if you look at George Floyd's record, you know, he was criminal. And it's like, I'm sorry. Even if he had broken the law, even if he had straight up walked in and stole a candy bar and walked out, it is not in the positions of law enforcement to kill that person in that moment. The penalty it shouldn't not... be death. Yeah. yeah. Like, because like, what was they were saying? Like, oh, they suspected that he was using like a counterfeit $20 bill or something like that. Mm -hmm. Nowhere is it written that a cop is supposed to kill that person, even if they were to have done that. Like, what, the, what like, it's just... And, and and also like with this kid you're talking about, what was his name? Khalifa? Khalif Browder. Khalif Browder, sorry. I want to make sure. Even if he had stolen a backpack, where is it at all like any kind of justice to be spending three years in jail, even if he had stolen the backpack? Like these are just He wasn't even sent and the, he wasn't even sentenced. Right. He was right. held, <laughs> Pet, trial pending. Yeah. It was, and, and we both know what it is. It was blackmail. Yeah. Like, oh, if you don't want to play ball with us, you're going to sit here until you die and turn to dust until you do it our way. And the kid, to his credit or to his demise, uh, right. didn't give up the goods. And the reason, I, I mean, it's weird because I'm not doing this podcast to make everybody sad and, and, and for, for Tessa and I to, to circle jerk on why we agree. 
I was <laughs> I was getting I was trying to get to a place and I'm failing, so I'm just gonna jump to it. Um, that, about your stance on qualified immunity for officers, because yeah. one of the few times that I've actually seen the public actually delve into the past history of the cops mm. uh, uh, was Floyd. Of course, they're going to they're gonna delve into his history too, but I was like, wow, this is one of the few occasions where they actually looked at the cops past. And it's and well, 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 what did we find? We found 18 complaints, 18 yeah. different complaints about this guy. I mean, was, were some of them bogus? Maybe, but eight, 18? That's a lot. Yeah, If at my job, if mm. somebody complains about my work and is saying that I'm doing my job incorrectly, I'm done. Like I'm fired, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just a video editor. I work on like comedy TV shows. Like if if I'm doing my job incorrectly and, and it's brought up more than once, more than likely I, I will be fired and I will not be rehired as a lot of these cops are. And there's just no way I'm coming back. But these cops have qualified immunity. It's like they can literally get away with murder. They're protected by the law. I mean, that was like in New York State when the protests first started, there was this really big push to repeal a statute known as 50A, which was basically a statute that allowed for legal protection of a cop's past and what they've done. So by repealing it, it was saying that now a cop's past is like public knowledge because you should know like who is this maniac you're dealing with who has 18 complaints against you now was that changing things not really because the cops are still doing things like chokehold in new york like it, it it's really frustrating because we're working really hard to like okay well if we can't completely like change the criminal justice system and like immediately get rid of cops as we know them can we at least hold them accountable can we at least take away their qualified immunity and it's just such an uphill battle it's like Every time we ask for the smallest amount of accountability, you know, they'll complain about it, like uh, the chokehold ban. They had a problem with it. They were like, they had, there was a whole city council meeting where like, uh, what's his, what's his name? Shay, the, not the supervisor. Oh, I'm blanking on the term, not the chief of chief officer. He like heads up the police department again. Oh, the chief, uh, the commissioner, the, the or, commissioner. or the chief yeah, of police. Like, okay. Like, they're like, we don't really understand what you mean chokehold. You have to explain this to us. And they're like, we're saying you can't kill people using a chokehold. Like, why do they need to argue against that? There's a group that I've done a little bit of volunteer work that um, you and your listeners should check out in New York called um, Hold Police Accountable. They have an Instagram page. It's just at Hold Police Accountable. And I think uh, their website is like Stop Police Violence nyc.org. I'll double check that. Uh, but this is the, their coalition that is working to try and bring accountability to the police. Because right now in New York City, there's something called a CCRB, which is like a community review board, that if a cop does something wrong, let's say he kills someone, there is a city appointed review board that like the mayor's office chooses people to be on that review board to say like okay did this guy do right and wrong should he be fired let's see sounds good in theory but these people are appointed not nominated so what this legis this uh coalition is trying to do is make something called an elected civilian review board an ecrb which would mean that let's say a cop kills someone let's say there's a let's say there's just police misconduct in any way instead of a mayoral appointed official 
it's the people. It's the people holding them accountable. And these the people would be electable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they would be elected, you know, but elected civilians, essentially, because that does not exist right now. So mm-hmm. right now, the only people that are holding themselves accountable are the cops themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's like if, if a six-year-old steals candy, you know, and you're like, hey, six-year-old, what do you think your punishment should be? And the six-year-old is like, well, I don't think I should be punished at all. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening in the police department right now right. is like the people that are appointed to this uh, civilian review board are just people that work with the cops. So there's no accountability and it's also like fake accountability. So um, I think that that's like a step in the right direction. I don't think it's like ultimately the long-term solution, but I'm interested in stuff like that. Yeah, I also think the media should do a better job highlighting um, examples of good policing as well. Like on, on an ultimate reversal here, Tessa, I'd like to cite the Hermosa Beach Police Department where I live here, okay? Um, this guy knocked down the cyclist, they caught the guy taken peacefully, this and that. There were a set of, uh, a bunch of burglaries, caught the guy, you know, in car, uh, whatever. We, uh, our, so our police have gotten to know people um, in this big, in this zip code on a first name basis. The homeless guy who's picking in the trash cans, they know that guy's name. This this guy, you know, the people that work at Starbucks, he knows their name. There are, you know, they're, they're, um, we attract uh, certain weirdos from Venice. <laughs> you know, maybe a cop will ask what his name is, and the guy says, I'm not giving you anything. Fine, the, the cops will piss off or whatever. But the the level of policing done here is very, very, very good. I mm-hmm. mean there are break-ins and then they're finding they have a pattern of break-ins and they try and what they're doing is they're trying to prevent a break-in because when 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 a certain when a burglar has a certain pattern it's like they're ready for the next one or they're you know they're or they're on call where the next one might be so their 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 ways on trying to improve policing not just that just getting to know people on the i'm just i'm coming full circle with that knowing who you are tessa right your cops knowing who you are on a first name basis humanizes you if they humanize you they're not going to choke you Okay, there, there is, and this is an uncomfortable thing to talk about, and I'm so sorry because I thought me and you were gonna have fun in this podcast because we have so much, we have so much shit to smile about. Oh, but about. I am having but, um, fun. Okay, good. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Fucking weird like that. Um, the reason why Floyd got choked is because the cops didn't see a person. So mm. a piece of shit. Eric Garner got choked because he, they, that guy didn't see a person. That guy saw a piece of shit. All right. In fact, if you look at the video on Eric Garner there, um, this is one of many examples where the other cops were just were just chilling. You know, like if all police are not bad people, why are those guys chilling? You know, and that's where I think good police departments should be highlighted for not just doing their job. It's like, oh, you did your job. Good for you. I mean, listen. Other people do get congratulated for doing their job, right? I mean, you're yeah. watching a World Series uh, game, right? This guy, if this guy pitches a shutout, I mean, he's getting millions of dollars to do it. The other team's getting millions of dollars to prevent it. Um, yeah. He did his job, but you, but you do salute some of the people to do their job. And I didn't want this to be a, a total session of police bashing, but I, and the reason why I highlighted Hermosa Beach is because they need to, the media, and other police departments needs to need to visit these departments, see how they work, and maybe use that. Like you said, there've been changes here and changes there, and the changes and the result is the same. 
right? Yeah. People are still getting incarcerated unfairly. People are still getting treated like a piece of shit. People are still getting um, profiled. I mean, you're, we're New Yorkers, so we know all about stop and frisk. That's, that's more right, of my time right. than yours. Um, under no, under a mayor that's beloved, by the way. So, um, you know, Mayor Bloomberg, Mayor Bloomberg never ran as a Democrat. And in, in any of the three years, I was not a fan of Mayor Bloomberg. No. I ex I experienced real poverty during you know his time. Mm -hmm. I experienced some of my favorite local businesses disappearing during his time. You know, I was Mayor not a fan. Bloomberg but, and stop was, and frisk was the worst. Yeah, well, Mayor Bloomberg was um, not an evil person. He was just highly incompetent. Like for example, <laughs> he gets elected a third term. Which, by the way, they introduced a law that allowed him to do that because. Uh, you're too young. Um, New York mayor is only two terms. Right. So they, they changed some kind of legislation, allowed him to run in the third term because they knew damn well if he ran, he'd win. He would be um, elected. And, and yeah. he did. Uh, third term. So, he's a billionaire. Which, so, which is you know, crazy he's because he's the first one to try to chase out Rudy Giuliani. Like Giuliani wanted to stay on a little bit longer after 9-11. Not my favorite right. guy, but he wanted to, you know, stay on a little longer. And Bloomberg's like, nope, there are no third term mayors. And then boom, eight years later, except me. But it's not what's evil in his heart. It's what's missing in his head. And I'm going to give you an example. When he got elected the third time, he visited Catholic churches, community leaders that were complaining that, listen, my rent's going up in Harlem. I've lived here all my life. I didn't leave when it's bad. Why should I have to leave now that it's good? So right, right. now if you're a mayor and if you're not actually out there, if you're not actually sticking your head in these neighborhoods and you issue a mandate saying, saying okay, 30% of this, this housing is, is affordable housing. 20% of this housing is affordable housing. Does Mayor Bloomberg know what affordable housing is? No, of course not. No. He has no idea. He's a billionaire. He's never had to live Tessa, below the poverty line. Tessa, if you got offered an apartment, affordable housing, for 800 a month, but they said in order for you to be eligible for that affordable housing, you, have, you can't make more than $25,000 a year. And if, you made, and if you made $25,000 a year, can you afford the 800? Right. No. I mean, also, yeah. Yeah, your, your <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> your, your punishment for being poor is to stay in poverty, essentially. Yeah. Like, they keep you there. But yeah. I mean, does, does, does Bloomberg know that? I really don't think he does. I don't think, no. he, I don't think he can, even if he's told that. And even, yeah. even, even if he's an evil guy and everybody's like, forget those guys, he, 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 then same thing. He yeah. doesn't understand. So sometimes when it comes to politicians it becomes what's evil in their heart and when i say evil i'm talking about greed which is also which is, which is also a mental illness thing and yeah. me and you we're going to have a conversation about evil versus illness because because mm -hmm. i did some research on you know uh, there was a, a doctorate thesis on that i was interested in sharing but um sometimes people are just are just idiots that's the best way to something something yeah, I mean, like, you know what though at the end of the day some people are just idiots and and sometimes we elect them <laughs> yeah we right? do yeah. i wanted to go back to something you said a few minutes ago because you're talking about like highlighting uh police departments who've done good work and like yeah as much as as, as anti-police as I am and as much as like an abolitionist I, I might be like I obviously think that there are good people out there who've taken the job of a police officer with good intentions that said let's talk about a situation of a police department say in Hermosa Beach where they're preventing break-ins right yeah that's a good thing I'm more worried about who is this person 
that feels they need to break into someone's home because they're so desperate. They're, they're so desperate that they need to, you know, violate someone's life and steal a TV, steal some money, steal some jewelry, that they're so desperate. What are they not getting in their life? And as what kind of resources do they not have access to that this is the point at which they've been brought? Because even if this good police department arrests the guy, gets him off the street, like, you know, that's good for you and me because we don't want our houses to be broken into. It's very violating. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good. Um, but I ultimately don't think that those good police officers are then providing this person with the rehabilitation they would actually need to never do that again. And if they're going to go to the jail, system won't allow them to. What's that? The system won't allow them to, right? Like, yeah, if, I mean, like let's say there's a police psychologist that actually deals with prisoners too, or or or, yeah. or suspects. If there's a police psychologist that actually doesn't just deal with cops. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about changing stuff within, talk, talking about good ideas that might actually work. And, and like you said, how it all comes back full circles of mental health, that yeah. the person that broke in might be down on his luck. He might need the, the, the you know, uh, you know mon, mon, some, something that gives him a monetary advantage. But then there's some people, um, like Chris Rockett said, whatever happened to just crazy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And those and they need a whole different level of help. And like, yeah. like I said, it sucks. It sucks to be violated, whether it's physically, whether it's you, you get stolen from like, even like, even when like, I've had my bike stolen a few times, it's the worst feeling. It's just so violating. And mm -hmm. that's a pet that's I'm talking about petty theft, you know, a bike is petty. I'm not physically injured. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And like, it's okay, I'll eventually get a new bike. But like, just that feeling like, you know, you want that person to have some kind of accountability. Like, right. I always think of that, like, if I could see the person who stole my bike, I wouldn't want to beat him up. I wouldn't want to call the cops because I don't think that's going to do anything. I want an apology. I want my bike back and I want an apology and I want them to look me in the face as a human and like have a conversation about like, why, what's going on? Why did like, you know, what if that was your bike and you needed it to get to work or something like that's a very like radical concept is to have a conversation, but with the person who has wronged you. But I think you hear that from a lot of um, victims too, of things like any sort of violence or anything. It's like, they don't necessarily care if their violators are like sitting in jail. They want an apology. They want an acknowledgement of their humanity. You know, like that's not every case, but I think that makes sense to me. It's like just having human yeah. conversation about those things is yeah never, never happens well you know, it's I, very I, rare well on a systematic level i think a good start is just knowing people's names mm -hmm. let's say the guy doing break-ins but with let's that. say the guy doing break-ins was a neighborhood guy let's say right. like like hermosa beach is in la county now that's mm -hmm. that's like saying brooklyn is in new york city right right, <laughs> right? right. there's just right there there's Manhattan Beach, there's Hamosa Beach, there's Redondo Beach, there's the South Bay, there's um, Compton, right? There's, there's South yeah. Central, there's downtown Manhattan, Santa Monica. So LA County is huge. So, mm -hmm. but let's say he is a neighborhood guy and they yeah. know his name. Maybe the cops get together and say, hey, we need, you know, go to, I mean, it's weird because they need to, first of all, they need to find someone that cares. 
Yeah. Are they going to go to the district attorney? No, the district attorney yeah, um, only moves up the chain of command by incarcerating people, <laughs> right? A right. District, district attorney is not going to get is not going to get elected in office by like you know like, Ka like Kamala Harris didn't become senator because right. you know she was a sensitive prosecutor. She was she was pretty hardcore here. She right? was really hardcore. She I did mean, some fucked up shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Oof, I'm, thank I'm you, Tulsi Gabbard, but... boy, for pointing that out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna you, vote I don't for know if you saw that debate. Them. I don't know if you saw that debate last year. Last year, third debate where um, Democratic debate. Everyone's well. There's, there's one going on tonight, and I'm glad we're doing this now because I don't. I don't really care about definitely that, that, that not watching that. <laughs> You're like six o'clock, Jason. You are on. I'm not doing <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, listen, and and I'm I'll, and I'll frog leap back to this in, in a minute. A year ago, Democrats, and this is this is um, this is where I'm going to come at uh, uh, Democrats for a minute. A year ago, everybody, and if you could, she could check people's social network things from December, November last year. Mm -hmm. A year ago, everyone was saying Joe dropout. The yeah, I can't remember shit. All right, Joe, drop out. You, the, the guy, he's like Denny Crane from Boston Legal. I mean, he might be good in the courtroom, but he, but he, you know, he's so so, old. so basically. The person leading the charge on that, Buttigieg hinted a little bit, but the person leading the charge was Kamala Harris. Yeah. Kamala Harris called him out on, she couldn't call him out in his mental capacity because if he wins, they, they know the Republicans can, can use that against him. You know, but Kamala she, Harris called him out on busing, on segregation, like and racism from charges. Like 40 years ago, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, to me, to me, uh, I mean, we, we can have another discussion about who you were 40 years ago or, and who you are now. Right. Fuck it, Tessa, who you were two years ago and sure, who sure. you are now. So basically what happened was she, the whole time, for two debates, straight debates, was looking for um, an apology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you now apologize or this or that? So here's what happened in um, the debate, and I think I have it right here. Hold on. I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Mm -hmm. Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. Now listen to the applause. She blocked evidence. It's true. It's true. She did, and she did worse. Death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California, and she fought to keep cash you, bail system in place. <laughs> they had enough of Tulsi in the worst kind of way. Tulsi was pretty no cool sometimes. She was a savage. Well, I'll tell you about her in a minute and why and why she fell. It's as one sentence. Attorney General of California. Hold on, let's. I did the position to make a difference and an impact in these people's lives. You did not. And worse yet, in the case of those who were on death row, innocent people, you actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, oh, you owe them an apology. So that was her talking about speaking of apologies. Yes. Now, what happened to Tulsi Gabbard? One sentence. Uh, you challenged the military-industrial complex. 
that's it. You're gone. You will be gaslighted and there will be stuff out. There will be so much stuff out about you that some of people are going to believe some of it has to be true. You know? oh, I hate it. I and, hate it. I hate you know, it. All the way up, all the way up until you vote present. So, um, but Tulsi was my first choice because cool. yeah. um, my, you have core beliefs. Like your, your, your common denominator is mental health and just, just making people better. My thing was anti-regime changing wars. That's my big thing. And if anyone that's running on that platform has my support, I served. I'm a Gulf War vet. Right. My father's a Vietnam vet. My, my grandfather, mother's side, Korean War. My father's side, World War II, Navy. Uh, great-grandfather, World War I. Mm-hmm. So I have Damn. roots where every male member of our family served, including my kid's sister, who's 29, who did two tours in Afghanistan. So anytime we can get the hell out of these wars where we just we, 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 we overthrow somebody and then just leave the country a mess, yeah. where it becomes our problem later on or or because yeah. or until it becomes full circle i'm i'm gonna vote for it. bernie sanders was never going to be president because he challenged the military industrial complex tulsi yeah. gabbard who's still in the military <laughs> she's in year 17 as a major in the, in, in the army two tours in, in iraq um yeah if you challenge she 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 fell because of that one big reason the second reason is jeff zucker is the president of cnn and mm. Jeff Zucker, um, for the first time in his life, openly endorsed one candidate to be president. And that candidate was um, Kamala Harris. So, <laughs> um, so if you, if you cross Harris, and the president endorsed her, yeah. you're not going to be. You you, you got to go to Fox News. You're not going to be on CNN anymore. So that you know, that was like, the end of that was the end of her reign, as as you know we know it. You know, like Biden and Harris, I'll be voting for them. Yep. I see them as like harm reduction. They they're kind of the lesser of two evils in my eyes, for sure. Given yes. you know, but you do so. But you do so with your eyes open. That's why you'll always have my respect. I try. I mean, I like I I think that there's a lot a lot at stake and you know ultimately i do believe that like the two-party system is completely broken and it was sort of like it's working the way it was meant to work Mm -hmm. so it's it until we can sort of open crack that open and revolutionize in some way i think we're stuck here for a long time and these like loops that we've been in of the same types of candidates that get like recycled over and over again because ultimately like you're right like both biden and harris have strong ties to law enforcement and you know uphold law enforcement and are backers of the military and stuff and it's like until that changes we're still going to be in the same place agreed um here's my stance and if you've ever seen my facebook while well, i introduce a topic and i get 150 posts people from the left people from the right you don't see anyone attacking anyone's character because I just delete those comments and then, you know, yeah. until people behave themselves. But I don't, I, I've only had to delete comments on one person who, by the way, I found out was a troll, doesn't even have an account anymore. He just came, he just came to mess with me. Yeah, he, he came there with an agenda because of what I, because of what I said about um, Kerry Waltz, like one of our, our volleyball players. So, yeah. And me, like I said, I'm building my my um, my brand. And the number one rule is you don't feed don't feed the trolls. I shouldn't even answer. Yeah, that. you don't. That's a good rule. Don't feed the trolls. But everybody's Leave them like under the bridge. But everybody's <laughs> like, Jason, who are you voting for and why? And I'm like, this is what we, this is real. This uh, this is the truth. And as long as people are able to swallow, swallow what I'm saying without spitting, they'll they'll agree with me. You have one person, if he stays in office, he's going to send us back to the Middle Ages in a year and a half. Yeah. Okay? He's, I'm not going to say his name, but I can tell you he looks very, very fucking orange. Um, <laughs> the Cheeto in chief. Um, yep. 
Then you have another guy. By the time he gets to November, you're just happy if he remembers who he's running against. Yep. <laughs> right? So, Tessa, the question is, and my, it's a rhetorical question for me, but you can answer it too. The question is, is Joe Biden coming into November on a dementia drumstick still better than Donald Trump? If the answer is yes, you vote for Biden. If the answer is no, you vote for Trump. For me, the answer is yes. I'd yes. rather have politics as normal than, than where I fear it's going to be headed in the next, the next two years. I, I yes. mean, and the weird thing is that party right now is the biggest proponent of boogeyman politics. Yeah. Like, oh, the people are going to riot if you vote for this one. This is going to happen. They're going to take your guns. They're going to take your, your wife. They're going to raise your taxes. They're going to put a, 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 a COVID pacifier in your baby's mouth. You know, so, so yeah. and it's so weird because the boogeyman politics should really go the other way. Um, yeah. It is the devil I know versus the devil who you don't have any fucking idea what's what he's going to do next. Yeah, um, and I, I think I... I but that's what really, I meant by really... voting with your eyes open. I, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm in a similar page. Like, yes, I'm voting for Biden and Harris. Yep. I think that I don't even know how to put this anymore. But like, I'm a really big advocate of like looking around at who are the most at risk people, who are the most marginalized folks in our country that are the the most like needy say, and like we have a really big problem with racism and sexism in our country. Uh, and transphobia and homophobia, you know, and I look at so many Americans who are not white and are not straight and are not cisgendered that have been marginalized and are living below the poverty line and they're the ones who are going to be affected the most and a Trump supporter or a very conservative Republican might say, you're an idiot for worrying more about other people. You should put you and your family first. And we should put our country first. Like, that's what America is about. That's what my life is about. Like, and this is what I hear a lot, which is sort of like my family first. Feed yourself first so that you can then have the strength to feed others or whatever. But I don't see it that way. Unless we're all getting a fair share, unless we're all getting an equal shot, like, the world is a worse place for me, too. You know, when those people are struggling, I'm going to struggle, too. So there's just this mentality amongst a lot of conservatives and i mean i can't even call trump supporters republicans it's like tea party mentality it's just this like bully mentality of like me 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 fuck whatever it is that you think like you're a woman who wants to like have rights over her own body i don't give a fuck you know <laughs> like there's just so much be nice if they check with some women on that but go ahead <laughs> yeah but um I'm losing my train of thought. I just think it's really depressing how many people only put think about themselves when they're voting or when they're speaking up. And I think that puts them in a dangerous position too without them even realizing it. Like if you're falling down a hole and you reach up behind you, aren't you going to want someone's hand to hold so they, so they you know pull you out? Are you going to get out yourself? Are you only ever going to depend on yourself and help yourself? Are you ever going to help anyone else? Because if you're falling down in that hole, aren't you going to want someone to like reach down and pull you up? You have to think about it both ways. And I just don't see that happening with all the rhetoric coming from like, it's almost like 
Well, maybe to them the hole is too is is so small they're not going to notice it. Like, mm-hmm. none of them have an underlying fear that the hole those people fall down will become so big it's going to drag everybody down anyway, and which is what happened in two thousand eight. Um, um, mm-hmm. Right? They just call it what it is. My wife hates when I say this because she's, you know, she understands finance more than me. But I don't. I don't. Look, I don't have to be a chef to know what steak tastes like, and I don't have to be a financial expert to know that people gamble gamble with our money and lost. Right, right. Here's all right. Here's where it generates from. Because if I can tell you where it generates from, maybe you and I can have um, can understand the situation and maybe helps people come up with some solutions. I grew up a very uh, my family was very staunch Republican. I was all the way up to my military service and even past my military service. I identify with those those um, values. Pretty good values. Hey, believe in God. You know, love the Lord. Don't cheat on your wife. Don't steal this and that. These are not bad values. Okay, these are the the reason why Republicans are Republicans because they do believe in this kind of um, religion. Well, I'm talking about God's good news i'm not talking about if you if you don't know if you're going to heaven or hell you're going to hell all right there's fire and and brimstone religion and then there's and then there's there's they're spreading love but it's so interesting that like for you your experience as a republican was through religion i think it's so interesting how closely they're tied and like more so than ever you know the the idea like the evangelical vote the pro-life vote like some of it was What's that? Some of it was, because um, I'm getting okay. somewhere there. Some of it was. Sure. Um, well, my dad's an iron worker, right? Not a Wall Street guy. My mom um, married married my stepfather when when I was 10. She was a single mom, got left by my dad for, with a dollar to go on mm-hmm. welfare, me and my older sister. So strong black woman, became a legal secretary, went to John Jay undergrad, went to Fordham Law School. So it's one of those people that found a way out. So there's yeah. there's the, the virtue it's flawed and and as as follows and again bear with me if they there is a belief amongst many people from the right and some from the middle the middle left too that if you're rich and if you're prosperous you deserve it and you deserve it because you worked for it so by that rationale if you are not rich and if you don't have money it's probably because you didn't work hard enough and you oh, don't yeah. deserve it. And it is not an illogical leap for those people to think if you don't work hard, you're not, you're, you're, something's wrong with your morals, mm-hmm. you know? And that, and I don't mean to piss you off because I can take how you feel and multiply it by 10 because I grew up and I have friends even now are still check to check, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. You know, I don't want to name names. I was going to name names. I'm like, you want to tell this guy, this guy's name that he's he's not working hard. This dude's a security guard right. doing doubles, working eight to 10, working four to 12. And, and he looks at his check and it's like, congratulations. I made just enough to be broke. Um, yeah, exactly. This person, you know, listen, maybe some people aren't smart enough or maybe some people are unfortunate enough, but I think you have to understand what people's level of thinking is. There are yeah. people that think their prosper, their prosperity is self-imposed, is self-made. So if you think that, that they think that this person has good values that incite them to work hard and become rich. So the people that don't, that aren't rich, they assume don't work hard. And if they don't work hard, they assume they're not moral. They don't have morals. They just want to sit right, on their right, ass right. and wait for their handout, which is the biggest lie in right-wing politics. And, 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 and there are people, we know people that are so far right, they're, they're so far gone. They like, I mean, they can believe Trump, Trump, um, 
had Rambo's body. I don't know if you remember. They had like they had like this like Trump's face, <laughs> yeah. and they put Rambo's body. And there are people that are so far right that will not believe me. They think that's Trump's body. They're just those people. That those people are just gone. And yeah. then listen. Then there and then there's people who, when Obama got reelected, they were disappointed. They four years under Obama, they were hoping that things would change. He promised change. Change wasn't delivered. They voted for Romney. Obama won and they were butthurt by that. So there are people that went for Trump because they were convinced um, in his ideals. And they were also scared to hell of boogeyman politics in regards to Hillary Clinton. Like Hillary Clinton was the probably the in, in 2016 out of everybody, Democrat or Republican, was the most qualified, but at the same time, yeah. more so than anybody was the most vulnerable. Okay? Sure. And the reason why she lost she, she by the way lost the biggest layup and she she blew the the easiest I'm, no everyone blames uh independence oh i blame these guys i blame racists no fuck off no blame the dnc because they were so arrogant they looked at trump and they went oh, 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 you all win yeah <laughs> what this guy rush limbaugh said trump's gonna win <laughs> Never. didn't right, campaign right, right. in michigan didn't didn't do this didn't do that didn't see the warning signs now i'm not saying everything that's, that, that the republicans were, were saying about hillary was true but mm-hmm. i think democrats have to be fucking naive to think that everything is false and and that's what yeah. the, the, the thing i was getting to the person that you don't want to fuck with right now is the person that believes that everything is lies and that that other person that believes that everything is true you know right. why? Because they are equally as dangerous. And I just, I hope they go on an island and kill each other, honestly. I, but, <laughs> yeah, but, um, it's so crazy. Um, sorry. I, I know, I agree. I agree with you there. It's like, if you're not using critical thinking when you're getting this information and you're not using history to like help figure out what the hell is going on and why, like, what's mm-hmm. the point of even caring? What's the point in even being vocal about it? Like, Taking things at face value is just like bonkers to me. It's freaking bananas. Agreed. I am. But people thought it started in 2016. No, it got noticed by a party that won by 3 million votes. Yeah. All right. So it got more attention because there were more people. She, I mean, she won the, if you look at the general numbers, she she won won, the popular vote. Yeah. Yeah. By, by, by almost by three, pretty much 3 million. So, (laughs) but it happened before that. And I only knew that because I grew up Republican. I grew up. Um, a different way. And then I was a Democrat for a cup of coffee and now I'm registered under no party preference, um, right. which allows me to, to, to at least vote provisionally, provisionally in any primary I want. Sure. Um, the day after Obama got reelected, some of my Republican friends had an upside down flag as their profile picture. And I'm like, Really? The people that want, that are talking about respect for the flag are, are now, yeah. they're, 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 your profile pick is a distress signal. Now, I'm not a Republican, but I hold values from both parties. To, and as an ex-military guy, there are certain things that are deal breakers. As my friend, if you have an upside-down flag, you're just you're just not my fucking friend. All right, right. Um, you're just. And I know it's your right, and I know it's your freedom to burn a flag. It's your freedom to whatever. I have a huge peeve about false dis, um, false distress, and yeah. I have a huge peeve about burning the flag. You want to kneel for the flag? Kneel away. Neil away because you're doing so respectfully. In fact, the guy that told Colin Kaepernick to kneel was in the spec ops. He was ex-military. He was yeah. a veteran in the spec ops community um, because that's your freedom. 
But you know, it's uh, so interesting. Please. I've been thinking a lot about the flag recently because I have no interest in displaying it in any way because to me, all I see when I see the American flag is racism. I see the Confederate flag. When I see the stars and stripes, and there's a lot of them in my neighborhood because I live in a very Italian American neighborhood that has like Italian and American flags like on and all vets. the front yards. All I can see yeah. is our racist history. And it's so upsetting to me. Like when I see the American flag now, I don't feel pride and I don't feel any sort of loyalty. Like all I feel is anger and sadness at our racist history against black people. Well, you would, of course you'd feel that way because that's your understanding of what the flag is or your perception of the flag. That's what our country was born out of. You know, Uh, our our country was like, the country was, but but if you look at the history of the flag, it wasn't. But like, but, but that's what the flag stood for was like the ability for like those men to be able to have slaves and like build a country based on slave labor. Capitalism is built on slave labor Absolutely. today and then. Absolutely. So but, but, I'm, I, I can't see that flag and not associate it with it because to me, that's what it stands for. So and that's I, what I'm saying. If that's your perception, of course, of course, you don't, you can't. No one's going to make you see it a different way. But I'm going to stop right. you on historical fact. Um, historical fact, the American flag was originally a military guide on. It was a military guide on um, composed um, in, a bata- in a battalion for the civil union that was fighting against the, the Confederates. So mm. it's, it's I'm, I mean, listen, the slaves were free, but they, they had a different slavery system. So I understand, like you said, the shaping America of America, even after President Lincoln's Emancipation yeah. Proclamation still remains tainted. But the origination right, right. of the flag, and this is why veterans are big on it, it was not an American thing. It was a, it was a military thing before it was an American thing. It was a guide on. And it was something that they that they were like, oh, this battalion kicks ass. This battalion, I think, I think they're gonna have a. Um, there's a company where one platoon is all black. So right. it started the flag before Betsy Ross and all those people decided yeah, to sew yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. It, um, historically, historic. It's a, this is a historical fact. It was built um, on the on an ideal and a commitment to freedom that that like you said remains flawed right like sure. if you're racist you're racist right look if you're well, ra- and i appreciate you mm-hmm. correcting me because yeah that's that's history no, but, is important but listen what the flag has changed into you ain't no ain't, there's nobody that's going to say anything that's going to change your mind about how you feel about that because right now you yeah. look at it and, and it's and it's supposed to represent an ideal but but if that's not what you see any day like if you're seeing people getting shot in the back you're looking at the flag oh ideals you're seeing people getting fucked on their taxes where our own our own president fuck it i'm going to mention his name donald trump and now and now i'm flagged for social issues but donald trump paid less taxes than his fucking secretary did and then yeah. you look at the flag oh ideals freedom and then you look at this going wrong oh ideals flag freedom sooner or later you're going to look at the flag and be like like, fuck that yeah. fuck that but um for me um the flag means something different to me because it wasn't a person it was an idea and right. the and if the idea like christianity is an idea the teachings of christ don't cheat on your wife don't kill nobody save yeah. one day out of the week you know you go and have fun sing fellowship and the kids play frisbee after church these this is an idea that gets tainted by by people with either with an agenda or just people who are just fucking evil right so yeah so for me and that might be why i have such mm -hmm. a hard time with symbolism in general like you know because people take it and twist it and i mean look at the swastika that was not originated by the nazi germany it was an old ancient like asian i think from thailand and even before like other parts of um 
East Asia. Like it just dates way, way back. Right. But there's something really dangerous about symbolism when it's taken and it's like turned into propaganda and it's capitalized upon. And that's happened with our flag too. So, and it's kind of why, like, I, I don't know. It's like, I don't wear a lot of logos. I don't wear a lot of, cause it's, it's just, it, there's a social attachment to it that says I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. You're, you're more liberal. You're, you know, conservative. It's like we attach way too many ideas to one symbol when it maybe it's like, instead of actually just honoring the idea yeah. and it's like, it's okay. I, Cause I'm also a very aesthetic person and mm-hmm. I like, there's certain things I like about symbolism in other ways, but yeah. Um, it's like the Trump flag is crazy. To <laughs> now, like, since I mean, we used to have person? stickers on the car, <laughs> but now, now it's just look how terrified you are. <laughs> what? It's like it's just like they took the KKK flag and then they were like, let's just add a name on it. Like, yeah. it's just like another like never before have people been flying the name of a president. That's pa- like that's not patriotism. Yeah. No, that's, that's nationalism. Like, this is your cult. It's yeah, it's national. Well, it's more than nationalism. It's like that's their cult leader, and they have their yeah. name on it. Like, no, it's but it's loyalty regardless. Like patriotism, dissension is the greatest form of patriotism. Loyalty is the greatest form of nationalism. Mm. Think about that. Um, little brief history on Colin Kaepernick that a lot of people don't know that you might not know. The NFL, all the way up until two thousand nine, um, didn't have the players out for the national anthem. The national anthem would be would be played. People in the audience decide to stand or sit or whatever. Sure. And then when the national anthem's done, they announce the starting lineups of the players. Why and then did the players they and then and the what players is this come out. Can I'm getting there. Ready? You ready? Come on. I'm I'm stirring the pot, girl, since we're we're fucking doing it. The government of the United States paid two point two billion dollars for the players to stand out to 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 to, to stay outside for the national anthem paid patriotism they were using it to try to recruit people to join the army had the jets fly overhead star spangled you know what i'm saying star spangled as fuck um 2009 was when they started so asking recent. they started asking players to stand up for the national anthem which some would argue is um trying to make someone parrot your free speech i heard a lawyer try to make an argument um like my free speech is not to stand for the flag and you're trying to make me, this is a job and you're trying to make me parrot your free speech. So the, re- and the, so the two reasons why it's a, it's a problem is because they started making the players, the, the players never even came out. That was one. And two, the, the NFL has something called a CBA, a collective, collective bargaining agreement, where um, they, all, they all agreed uh, there was no agreement in the CBA to stand or kneel. Like in the NBA, everybody stood because it was, yeah. it was in a collective, a collective bargaining agreement and everyone stood, no problem. But the NFL didn't have one for that. So it was Kaepernick's right to kneel. So, right. Um, so for me, look, the whole flag thing I was talking about, I see the flag as more of an ideal than a person. Right. Like if you watch Thor Ragnarok, right. Asgard got destroyed. Asgard isn't a place. It's a people. It's an idea. Mm -hmm. So um, and then Thanos came along. But but, uh, (laughs) I know what it's like to lose. Um, So um, but for me on a personal level, kneel, kneel, fine. Stand. That's fine. Put your hand over your heart. That's fine. Salute. Fine. Sit. Fine. 
please don't burn it. It's your right to burn the flag. <laughs> but for me, uh, just on a personal note, and like the same thing, how it breaks your heart to look at the flag because it's racism. It breaks yeah. my heart to see someone take this idea and say, just because people are assholes, you know, we need to burn the idea because the idea sucked to begin with. To me, the, I mean, idea, I do the, idea, the, the idea, idea never sucked <laughs> to me. I think the idea of America kind of sucked, which mm -hmm. was like, you know, the way that the Constitution is written, it never mentions women mm -hmm. and black people are not considered people. I yeah. think that's bullshit rationalization. Wasn't that crazy? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that this this like experiment of a country where like that was the idea of freedom, yeah. which is that only one specific type of person can be free mm -hmm. and it's going to be in the pursuit of like capital, essentially. I actually don't think it's a good idea for a country. So I am OK with burning it down. Like, yeah. I don't per personally have the solution of exactly how we rebuild. I have some ideas, but I do think that like we need you know, a symbolic burning down of all of these systems of white supremacy that exist in our country yep. in order to rise up like a phoenix, like a beautiful phoenix from the ashes, mm -hmm. because the experiment didn't work. Well, the experiment, the, the genius of the Constitution, well, the genius of the Constitution is, is the experiment's not written in stone. Like if you read the actual Constitution, it's everything is subject to change. The, the Constitution, a lot of people don't know, left themselves an out. Right. Right. Which but is why whenever we try and change it, people like to hold it in their hands and say, you can't change the Constitution yeah. and you're but it's you can. It's just that people go up in arms about it. Yeah. So and like, not everyone's going to agree that rad radicalism works. But man, check your yeah. history, folks. <laughs> check your point. history. And that's folks. a blind, it's a weak spot for me. I think yeah. that like I, I have a weakness in terms of my like going back to history and being right. able to really cite it like mm -hmm eloquently um, i only knew because i'm ex-military i didn't like i didn't come armed with these facts i came armed with with other stuff like police police stuff or whatever i did my research on the indian tribe i was maybe maybe we talk about that maybe we don't the right, the, right, the, right. the the, the lanape tribe yeah or the lanape the um uh, that's uh, for people who are still with us <laughs> and, I know. Not too, and not too angry about this shit uh, maybe we talk about that but um i'll give you another example right Women are getting paid, example, situation, women are getting paid 70 cents on a dollar, right. right? Everyone thinks this is unfair. The idea that women should have equal work for equal pay, that's an idea. That's not a person. Now, here's what happens. There's 12 people that get into a room that decide how much women are going to get paid or if they get paid. Right. If all 12 people are men and there's not a woman in a room, is that does the idea need to be burned down or do the or do or do or, or do, do, do just people sucky people need to be need to be replaced right so the same thing we were talking about social issues about black people like the last thing we need to do is get a whole bunch of our white friends and say hey boys okay this is how we're going to treat black people from now on that's right, right <laughs> from right, now right. on this whole back of the bus thing yeah there ain't gonna be no white no black everybody's green okay <laughs> light green in the front dark green in the back so right, i mean right. so so i mean it's not so the solution um uh, the, the genius of the constitution is the solutions change and change and change and the frustration is the changes aren't working yeah, they're, they're not working and there's always such a fight for those changes and often yeah. the fight goes on and on and on and it just goes in through like a loop. It's like we're just repeating ourselves. We're having the same fights. We're talking about reversing Roe v. Wade. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> we already won this fight. 
Pretty one fucking minds. Well, it's the same thing with the flag, right? We we yeah. we won. I mean, that that got fought over a century and a half ago. There was a winner and there's a loser. Yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, totally. anyone that wants a Confederate flag, I don't want it banned. I, I want it right out on. The, I want it right out in front of their house. You know why? Because I get to know who they are. Right. right. I don't want to. No, That's you, how I feel about the Trump flag. Yeah, you think like, I want a KKK member on the behind a mask? No, take that fucker off, man. Yeah. Your first yeah, and last name you. and your job going to know who you are, too. Yeah, I know. But apparently that yeah. doesn't matter anymore. Well, here's the problem with Trump. And this is where you're definitely going to agree with me. Disagree with me heavily. I don't think the guy's a racist. I don't think he's a racist at all. I just think that he it's not a deal breaker. I think that if he openly revolts against racism and, and makes a heightened emphasis on it, he's, he um, is not going to win this election. My friends disagree with me. They said racist didn't elect Trump. I'm like, no, racist um, helped the tiebreaker. <laughs> you know, the man's money and the man's bottom line. He's means an opportunist. He, yeah. and it means more to him than any, any race could, could ever, ever, whatever, all the way back from Q Forest High School in Queens. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that he's an opportunist first. Yeah. So he will align himself with whatever is like the most aggressive mentality possible. He's an opportunist first. But I would say that he's a staunch racist because he's so complicit with literal racists like David Duke of the KKK, Mm -hmm. Steve Bannon, like Pete. You're going to tell me you didn't know who that guy was. He's going to tell me he didn't know who that was. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It's like. You can't not be racist and work this closely with self-proclaimed racists. That right. is racism. Working well, side by side with self-proclaimed racists are, I is mean, racism. But that's the question. Did he? I listen. I, mean, I am. I am not out here trying to go to go to battle for Trump. But that. But that's. I know, but that's I a truth. No. But this is the truthful question. Did he work well, side side by side with David Duke? Or is well, that, or is that say, just a mind when fuck? When you say like he, the guy's got some good ideas and stuff, like I consider that like siding with. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's why I can never run for office. <laughs> I had a conversation one time because um, my my infatuation is World War II. Um, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued with how some people could take a beach where they they, you know, the the air raid already got shot down. Airborne, hundred air force airborne was scattered all over the place. These people are hitting the beach. They should have gotten hosed down, and that should have been the end of it. The Germans had the intelligence, they had the integrity, they had the elevated position, and these guys took the beach anyway. So the, that's one of many battles that just makes me. I go to bed thinking about World War II. So yeah. because of just the bravery and the acts of just some great non-commissioned officers and some officers. Um, so there was an uh, um, not Nazi officers had the belt buckle that um, tied to a string on their left hand. And when they raised their left hand, it would shoot a projectile like a bullet at whoever was whatever. So Nazi officers had this thing. Whenever they lifted their left, maybe they're pretending to surrender or whatever, boom, you get shot. Mm. So I, I was in a conversation one night, and I said, damn, that's fucking brilliant. <laughs> if I were running for office, <laughs> yeah. Jason supports Nazis. <laughs> Jason supports Nazis. So... Um, I didn't Bernie Sanders had an equal problem, right? Um, he Castro uh, Cuba's health system, right? Uh, the healthcare system. He loved the way it worked, and he loved the um, as far as how well, people social, were able to save a lot, save a lot of it's, money. But yeah. it's very easy to make the illogical leap that he supports Castro. That's not yeah. what he's doing. Um, and I'm not trying to defend Trump. I just don't see any situation where he was working side by side with David Duke, but. If he was, and someone says, I told you so, I'm just going to say, 
Well, I'm look, not. I'm not surprised, motherfucker. <laughs> and I know, and like I know, you're not trying yeah. to defend Trump how, in that. No. But in I'm uncomfortable of, like, even like of, a throat in yeah, my mouth. Yeah, no, a I know bit, you're not. You know? But like the question of is he racist? Like, there's a lot of examples. Like he put out a two-page ad in the New York Times for the arrest of the Central Park Five, which was the five black teenagers that were uh, accused of rape and murder. Yep in the late eighties that actually were acquitted and did not do it. Yeah. And he put out, you know, like, and it was something like, like get these. Give him the death penalty. Out. Yeah. Give him the death penalty. Uh, he used to clear, like he is the Taj Mahal uh, casino. And he, anytime there was like a big wig gambler that came in, some like good old boy, white guy, he would clear off all the black employees off the floor. So that when these like big wig gamblers would come in, these old white guys, there were no black people in their sight. Like he is racist because even if he himself is totally fine hanging out with people of color or whatever, like if you're complicit with that behavior and you're mm-hmm. enabling it, then you too are racist. If like, that guy, Tessa, that guy goes to casino and he's going to spend $11 million and Trump knows he's going to walk away with $3 million in one night, <laughs> he's going to clear out some black folks. Um, racist. In the classic sense of the word, of the definition, is the inherent belief that one is superior or inferior based on their race. Um, and by that rationale, I think you and I can come up with stories personally or just just the trend, a historical trend on this man that if someone said he was racist, I'm not going to argue with him. I, it was just right, my, it was just right. my opinion that I didn't think he was. I just thought he was bottom line before that. Like if Kanye, yeah, no, if, if Kanye he, West, would, if Kanye West got some money to spend at that same casino and be like, "Yo, I want black only waiters." Guess what? He's he's gonna tell them white motherfuckers to go home. Okay. No, I agree with so, you. I agree with mm-hmm, you that like mm-hmm. there, he's an opportunist first. hundred. Yeah. I actually would totally agree with that. Yeah. I think that. that I think he's that bigoted. He's, I think he's a bigot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, I grew up a bigot. I grew up, you know, and I'm a Christian. I grew up this this Christian family. I hated gay people. Didn't even didn't right, even right, didn't even right. know any gay people. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what a gay person looks like, but I can't stand them. You know, um, yeah, yeah. But uh, you can't sit like even if even though he's an opportunist first, nobody in good faith can you know have a, things like a Muslim ban and say that there's like bad yeah. hombres coming over from the border that are going to rape and kill us. Yeah. Like that is the belief that the proud boys stand because, by and shit like right, that. Right. Like just... if, if, if the textbook definition of racism is a belief in superiority because of one's called the color of their skin, or, then or, those or are race, verbatim not examples. Skin, race, yeah. race. Not color yeah. of the skin, race. Like I'm, technically black right do i look black right no so, race yeah yeah. Like, yeah i do have a little bart simpson yellow thing going you know like you know <laughs> i was thinking about the simpsons and how like okay so marge has <laughs> that big could be white or, that could be a black family right a bunch of light-skinned brothers and sisters marge's hair is is yo that is brooklyn hairdresser shit right yeah there, for dude. sure i mean like she's got this tall ass blue hair lisa and bart have spikes i'm like where did they get those yellow spikes from because nobody in the family's got that patty and selma they have hair like mine you know i guess abe simpson like homer's father has like weird little like swervy spikes <laughs> But like when you see um, episodes of Homer as a kid, he had brown hair. So where the fuck did the Simpsons kids get their hair from? <laughs> Told you. Come on, and they're called the Simpsons. <laughs> it's a black name. Yeah, <laughs> you might be right. Yeah, just don't kill nobody, right? And just don't kill no <laughs> nobody named Nicole, and <laughs> you'll be all yeah, right. Yeah, true. Oh man, so it was. 
That was, um, I'm so glad we talked about that because um, I had that argument with my wife. She's like, I've never looked at it that way and stop, and I want to stop talking about this. That's so <laughs> She's funny. like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm like, okay. Yep. I love it. I love it. I love this. I'm a big fan of the old Simpsons seasons. Yeah. Yeah, me. Me too. I grew up, um, as far as I think black comedies were concerned, um, I grew up a Cosby kid. I really like me the too. Cosby show. Me too. I really. I'm sad that they canceled the show because he was an idiot, right? I mean, I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, is it fair to that for Denise and Rudy and and all of you know Claire and all those people who could who have a chance to get residual income because of the yeah. episodes are being played? Same thing with Roseanne, you know. Yes. Um, yes, I you know. know. But I love. I love. You know, before all the Cosby stuff came out, like I loved that show as a kid. I watched it. I would watch reruns in high school and college. I would watch reruns. Like, I mean, oh to, to to this day, if I turned the show on, I would be like, "This is a great show." My favorite episode was when they had a snake in the house, um, right? And um, Theo, you know, was like, "Don't you know?" He's like, "I don't." I don't built the you know the dad's like i don't want it to climb up the stairs and theo's like don't worry dad i can't climb up the stairs it's a scientific fact right so he figures because his kids in school right and theo's you know theo's pretty smart smart yeah. you know like an average brooklyn kid in fact he grew up um in those brownstones in brooklyn where i think they were filming the cosby's i don't know if brooklyn it was in Heights. hollywood but um flatbush avenue like like Rutland Road, like Fenimore, Midwood Street, Maple. Cool. You know, that's the set of be- beautiful brownstones up there. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Chester Court, the dead end mm-hmm. street, you know, across from those on Flatbush nice. on the other side. So Claire's like, I don't want that snake to climb up the stairs. I want it out of my house. She's just scared to death. I want it out of my house. Do you want me to stay? Yes, I want you to stay. You want me to stay? Yes. I- so she's like, I don't want that snake to climb up the stairs. So Bill goes, <laughs> Come on, come on, Claire. The the snake's not gonna climb the stairs. And she's like, How do I know that? He's like, Claire, snakes do not climb up stairs. And she's like, Who told you that? He goes, It's a scientific fact. And she's like, Well, how do they get up trees? He he goes, They fall off the cliff. So the snake expert's like, comes into the house and he's like, yeah, you can climb upstairs. Trees, walls, you name it, they can climb. climb. And she's yeah. like, Cliff, he's like Theo. And Theo's like, I'm sorry. Didn't pay attention to Yeah, I like the Cosby show. I liked Martin. Um, yeah, Martin Lawrence, I remember Martin. And, you know, until he obsessed over Tisha Campbell and that show got canceled. <laughs> Too bad. Yeah. They did a whole Mr. season. Hey, with- remember, do you remember hanging with Mr. Cooper? Yes. Yeah. That's one. And then um, Webster? Yeah, Webster. <laughs> Well, to me, I'm older. I was different strokes. Yeah, um, Gary, Gary, uh, yeah, Todd Coleman, Bridges. Right? Yep, I was threes. Yeah. I was a threes company guy too. I always, I've, I always like the sexual innuendo. I, I mean, yeah. when you're in junior high school, you, you, you celebrate sexual innuendo. You know, like I gotta go get my balls, and she's like, um, <laughs> you oh. know, so they, they take something, you know, and, right. and this, this level of social immaturity was just awesome growing I up <laughs> i love those reruns now yeah. though there's something comforting about them yeah I, but um you know what's comforting I have to me to, Please, before i have to head out because i have to i have to get going in a little bit mm-hmm. um this was so i actually loved this conversation super necessary yeah and we got and you got to come back where we can talk about <laughs> i mean like if people just scrolled all the way to the end of this they probably laugh <laughs> you just got to get to the simpsons yeah yeah simpsons i um well, before you go, I wanted to let you know that I am a fan of your critical thinking. 
Thank you. Um, because to me, the biggest enemy of critical thinking is tribalism. And mm. at some point, you're going to lean more way one more one way than the other because Brecht believed that change can never happen through one person; it has to be collective. So, sure. uh, maybe and and sometimes you have to swallow some things and pick your click. Right? We're picking a yeah. president. Some some and qualifies as close enough. All right. Um, my personal bias believes that Barack was the best president I've ever had in my lifetime. Yeah, I'm, fi- yeah. I'm fifty, so my personal bias. Um, does not prevent my critical thinking skills on him. Like I'm not down with him droning fucking people. No, I'm not down with right, him. Right. I'm not down with um, them spying on American citizens. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not down with knowing that the ACA is going to save a lot of people, but you know, statistically, it's going to leave out 295,000 people. So, right, so which by right. the way is the same amount of people who are dead from COVID. So it's just uh-huh. weird, weird how this math and administrations come except interesting there's a difference between being left out and being dead so i mean i'm I'm, it's not a a fair comparison either but before you go i wanted to let you know and i was going to share the story about retrospective action but i could definitely wait you know i'll I'll come out i'll open up a little bit uh, about myself that um some people never knew but i think it's important for us to talk about in the near distant future because there's another jason out there that has that same story and is like you know what i never looked at it about this that way and and why am i still fucked up and maybe I can right, I can right. raise the question, but I'll, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean that's a great thing to end on, which is like going back to where we started our conversation is the importance of mental health. Like, mm-hmm. I waited until I was uh, thirty one to start therapy. Like I have I've had a therapist since then. I've had I actually tried a few until I found one that that felt like the right fit for me, and my one of my only regrets in my life is that I didn't start sooner. And maybe part of that was financial because like, you know, it is, does cost money to see a therapist. Although my first one um, I had through Medicaid, so I actually didn't have to pay. So it is possible to receive mental health, even if uh, you don't have, you know, the finances for it. That said, I wish I hadn't waited so long because I think there's so much within us to discover and figure out and grow with and evolve from that. Like, until you start, until you start to, like build that muscle of self-awareness it can be it can really hold you back from just so many things you know yeah and uncovering and healing from so many past traumas and figuring out things you're dealing with that you're like wait i always have this problem this is a pattern like i just wish that i hadn't been so scared to go because I was so unsure about it and there was stigma and stuff like I just wish I hadn't waited so long it's like I'm always going to be a work in progress but I think that therapy has been this really incredible tool for me that when I'm going through something hard I'm like okay I have my friends I have my family I could have a night to myself to just chill watch tv zone out or whatever but then I know that once a week I have this kind of objective help mental health professional who knows me really well at this point and it's it's just it's just this other tool that helps me navigate through the harder things in life and it's something that i feel like should be free and accessible to everyone and i know it's not always but Mm -hmm. i I wish it was and man if it was what a world what a different world we could be living in for and for the people listening at home i'll leave you with this message your compassion should be measured by you uh, differentiating um um evil versus illness Okay, 
That's all the way from someone who's stealing something all the way to the serial killer. Um, for the people listening, I want you to take a look at some things in your childhood and your psychological growth where one thing has nothing to do with the other. You know, maybe mm-hmm. someone tried to try to fill you up and then a month later you're failing science class. One thing has nothing to do with the other. Take a look back at some of these things and just raise the question, re-raise the question. If you need if you need therapy and you need help, seek it. And if you yeah. you have friends that you could have a conversation with, seek them. And if you have people that you can you can just vent and spill that they can they can keep your secrets if something is a secret or or if they're just someone they can listen to and pose questions with you, do that too, okay? Um Tessa Greenberg, we didn't even get in the theater. We man, we you, you got to come back I on. We, there's so the dude. There's there's so much. So there, yeah. I've I've such sights to show you. <laughs> to quote, to quote <laughs> well, the movie Hellraiser. Come back. Thank yeah. you for having me. The pleasure's all mine. Um, Ariel Sims, if you're listening, I adore you. Always have. That's that's your sister from Aww. another mother, right there, right? Yes. So. Um, anything you want to plug before we go, uh, like a, a particular site, like, are you, are you an independent film, uh, uh film editor right now? Um, yeah, as far yes. as like, um, you're right. and as far we're, as like independent theater even... too and theater performance, what do you want to plug? Yeah, totally. It's, you're right. We didn't get to talk about any of our fun, creative stuff, but cause right, that's right. You and I met when we were in theater school. And since then I've gone on to a career in film and television and I've been directing and editing. So a lot of my film work is on my website at videobytessa.com. It's exactly how it sounds. Videobytessa.com. Videobytessa.com. And then you just called out uh, one of my best friends, Ariel Sims, who went to Marymount Manhattan College. Her and I are working on an album because we've always played music together and written and performed music. So we have a band called The Weekend Ladies, and we have an EP coming out at the end of the year. So uh, if you follow us on Instagram, then you can have some uh, good electro What's the Instagram music handle? to look forward to. What's the handle? Huh? What's the handle for Instagram? Oh, at The Weekend Ladies. Weekend Ladies. Okay. The Weekend Just one ladies, word? Yeah. Just one word? Mm-hmm. All right, yep. cool. That's on Instagram. All right. Listen, this woman's hungry, man. It's probably like 11 (laughs) o'clock over there so tessa greenberg might love all of you but for me i had it with you okay i had enough of you in fact i'm done for all of you at home for all of you watching this on your ipad for all of you watching this on your iphone while listening to the debate for all of you on your droid for all of you on your desktop who runs the world old school old school for tessa greenberg this is episode 61 of the option podcast and i am jason debias and we both say we're out. Goodbye. Come check out the Option Podcast on optiondb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.